Hello and welcome to Desert Island Dishes with me, Margie. I'm really excited this week as there are loads of cool things happening. I'm so excited to tell you about the shiny new website for Desert Island Dishes. I've been beavering away and it's finally ready. So you need to go and check it out. Simply go to www.desertislanddishes.co. Yep, that's .co, not .com. .co is apparently where it's at. All the cool kids have .co. Okay, I made that up. But anyway, big moment for Desert Island Dishes. So firstly, when you get to the website, you're going to see that each episode has its own post. So you can put a face to a name or face to a voice (laughs) if you're anything like me you will try and picture the person talking and it's always quite fun when you get it completely wrong which I do most of the time lord knows what you guys think I look like (laughs) but keep that to yourself I will write a little description about that episode talk about some of the dishes and the things that we talked about and also you on that post will be able to see their desert island dish and luxury item then drum roll there is going to be a second page to the website where for every episode i'm going to select one of the guests desert island dishes and i'm going to create a recipe around that so they might talk about how their mum made them the best rhubarb crumble and i'm going to create my own version of a delicious rhubarb crumble and tell you how you can make it too so We've already got some really delicious dishes up there. Uh, We've got delicious roast chicken and tarragon pappardelle inspired by Dolly Alderton, kedgeri inspired by Georgie Coleridge Cole, grilled pineapple with a hot chili glaze and coconut ice cream inspired by Tess Ward, and many, many more. This feels really exciting and just a different kind of recipe blog, which I'm really excited about, and I hope you guys will enjoy reading the blog finding out about new recipes and yeah just thank you again for listening and thank you for sending me lovely emails to tell me nice things about the podcast that is just lovely and I will never tire of reading nice things (laughs) right now on to the gorgeous guest for today she's a goodie it's packed full of interesting things and I hope you enjoy my castaway today is Jasmine Hemsley Jasmine is a well-being author and chef. She is one half of the hugely successful Hemsley & Hemsley brand, which she runs with her sister. Together, they have amassed an army of loyal followers. They have a hugely popular blog, a range of products. They've written two cookbooks. They have a cafe in Selfridges, and they even have their very own show on Channel 4. Last week, Jasmine's first solo cookbook came out, which is all about Eastern wisdom for Western well-being and is packed full of delicious-looking recipes, which all follow the ancient holistic healing system of Ayurveda. Hello, Jasmine. Hi. <laughs> so lovely very good. to meet you. <laughs> lovely to meet you. Very professional. I know. Sounding, but I mean, that's all you. You've done so many things. So your first solo book, East by West, was released last week, which is so exciting. I know. Congratulations. A week today. Thank you so much. <laughs> Has it just gone in a blur? A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. I, I took time off the weekend before it launched. And this weekend, I just like, no social media, no social media. Because, you know, I was I was literally writing this book until about a month and a half ago. Oh, my goodness. Really? So, yeah, it's gone from handing it in to here's a book. <gasps> That's crazy. I'm so unusual. Yeah, unusual. I think it's it's just 
such it's the right time really for this because we're all talking about mental health and spiritual health and emotional health and it's not you know health is not just oh look at that physique or wow look at that six pack it's you know it's changed we 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 talk about finding happiness and things and actually it's not finding happiness it's just getting good within do you know what I mean? like in tune and in, in balance you know it's that it's that word that's not very exciting but it's it's where it's at. Yeah, it? that's Balance. so true. And you're so right. It's moved from, we're not focusing on what we look like anymore. Mm. It's sort of already inside deeper, you. And deeper, deeper, deeper. Tapping into that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So before we dive into really talking about the book, let's go back a few years and just talk about how you got to where you are today. So alongside being Jasmine, mm-hmm. you are also one half of Hemsley and Hemsley with your sister, Melissa. So together you've had enormous success, but can you tell us a bit about how it all got started? Because oh, that's a big did, question. <laughs> did it start with a blog? Or it started how... in here. Oh, did it? Yeah, just exactly where you're sitting around the, this kitchen table. Actually, as I say that, it makes it sound like we planned it, but no, it was a completely organic process. I was modeling and I had been for years after studying furniture and product design at university. Very similar to food. <laughs> yes, very, very. You just sand it down. And Nick and I were, have been together a long time now, 14 years. And we were always, you know, very conscious because being in the modeling industry, you know, you do hear about the latest this or the latest that or the new research. I mean, understanding that refined and processed foods and sugar in particular was, you know, not the best thing to be eating a lot of. I, I, you know, we knew this 15, 20 years ago. It's only just really been in the press recently. Yeah. And so I guess you were just more conscientious because this was a, this was a career where you were judged on your looks, but also your energy. You had to have good energy. You had to have a good mood. You know, you couldn't be moody on set. It was all about you, you know, so you were the focal point for the whole shoot. So if you were sitting there being, being, having a moody day, you'd be remembered for that. Yeah, you wouldn't get booked again. You wouldn't get booked again. Yeah. So it's not like going into the office and then, you know, a little sheepish hello to your colleagues and go, oh, having a bad day, stay well away today. It was, you know, you were in the in the eye. So yeah, this was something you're conscious of, as well as your skin and, and, and things like that. Of course. And bloating. I mean, bloating for a woman, bloating. you know, it's that dreaded Jasmine, word. what's the answer to bloating? The answer to bloating is in the book. Oh, okay. Perfect. Yes. Perfect. I'll tell, tell <laughs> you more about that in a minute. Everybody buy it. <laughs> kind of was very much into this and I would start to read lots of different philosophies around food because I thought, I, I'm not really into this low fat, low, low calorie. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't yeah. make sense the way I was brought up. And one of the philosophies I came across was Ayurveda. And it was not the right time for me at the time. You know, it, it, it's talking a language that now looks a bit more, uh, we can relate to a bit more. Yeah. Back then, talking about mental health, talking about emotional health, talking yeah. about spiritual. I mean, there were so many connotations attached to that. And it was, people weren't interested. It was about the gym and it was about eating salads and tuna. Yeah, and a Diet Coke. And, and a Diet Coke. And we're not even talking about that long ago, which is no. really interesting, isn't it? And in fact, the whole kind of really the health industry started with margarine about yes. 50, 60, 70 years ago. My, post- butter, my butter namesake. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <you're- laughs> now that's changed how I look at you all the time. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. It, it, this is only a recent thing to count calories, to have packaged and processed foods, to look for low fat options, to almost have these kind of fake ingredients. That's really only very recent. Yeah. And so there's a whole generation of two that that's got caught up in that way of eating. And that's what I wanted to share with people. Like, what is the answer? And the answer is no one, I I guess you can simplify it, but if you look around the world, everyone's eating something different. Yeah. You know, they're eating obviously what they can find and grow easily, but 
I realized that it had to be more about whole foods and it had to be more about, obviously, you know, less of the processed stuff. What I did take from Ayurveda at the time that made such a difference for me was not making my evening meal the main meal of the day. Yes. Which I think is something that a lot of people might be listening to this right now and be going, oh, what do you mean? I mean, I, I have no time at lunch. I have no time at breakfast. And the evening is when I see my kids or I see my hubby or yeah. I see my friends. Uh, or I just get to sit down for the first time and I want to eat a really good meal that I've been fantasizing about all day. <laughs> or they're on the run and they, you know, eat late back from some kind of social engagement or they, you know, after the gym or whatever. Or, yeah. You know. And so it's really difficult to get your head around, but my goodness, when you can do it, it makes such a difference. Eating lighter. And it's, and it's something when you look at, I just visited my great aunt Joan yesterday. She's 98 years old. Oh. And tea time is her supper. And it takes place at 5.36 p.m. Yeah. And that's, you know, when I quiz her about this, this is how they ate, you know? That's interesting, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, they went to bed at 9, 10 o'clock because Ooh, it was that earliest. Sounds, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's delicious. I mean, they even know, you know, in the West, in science, they say it is an optimum time to sleep. And Ayurveda has known this for, for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. That's so interesting. Because if you think about it, we are nature. We are part of nature. And just looking at for example, anyone connected more with nature. So whether we're talking farmers or you've gone camping, you're not, you know, your life is not dictated by maybe your work hours or your mobile phone or your TV. Yeah. You tend to get sleepy quite quickly when the sun goes down. Yeah, that's so true. And you wake up in the dark before yeah. the sun rises. Think of when the cockerel goes off. It's yeah. still, the sun's not up properly yet. The farmers have to get up at the crack of dawn, if not before, because the animals get up because they're in tune with nature. Yeah. It's also much easier to wake up in the morning if you haven't eaten a huge meal the night before, I'm glad isn't you it? you said that. That is, yeah. that is so true. And that was one of the things, I think, why I've really enjoyed what I'm doing and why I might be, you know, quite good at it, tooting my own horn, yeah. is because I have been able to apply this without realizing it. I guess it's a form of mindfulness, is this observation. Yeah. So, it, I mean, I have obviously judged myself and given myself a hard time on many occasions, but I remember thinking, why am I why when I eat late, am I starving when I wake up? Yeah. But that doesn't make sense because surely that's when I've had my most recent meal. Yeah. Whereas if I eat lighter in the evening, my, my tummy doesn't wake me up. You yeah. know, food is not, I can't, I can function without having to go straight to, to, to my breakfast meal. Yeah, it's really interesting. And, and it was something that came up when I started to learn to meditate seven, eight years ago. And I remember my teacher saying, you need to meditate first thing. And I remember thinking, I need my breakfast yeah. <laughs> thing. What are you talking about? And it was just those kind of observations that made me more interested in reading about it and also trying out these things yeah. and finding they really work. So it doesn't mean I'd never go to dinner. It means if I'm out with my friends, we might go for an OAP dinner maybe. Yeah, um, I love that. Early bird special. Early bird special. <laughs> and also you then kind of have a night of it and you're at home and it's nine. Yeah. And you can still potter about and be in bed by 10. Yeah, it's so true. Rather than not, you know, coming in at 10, 11, you know, maybe not even wanting to make that trip home from the from the restaurant because you're actually now really wound down. Yeah, no, that's so true. Mm. Yeah, I could literally talk about this for ages, <laughs> but let's take a pause. Okay. And ask you about your first desert island dish of the day. And that's the dish that most reminds you of your childhood. Right. So my desert island dish that reminds me of my childhood is kind of a mixture between two. So these have actually gone into my cookbook. One yeah. is a chicken soup for the soul. Nice. So a bit like, you know, an everyone knows what chicken soup is. It's, it's the remedy for absolutely everything. Yeah. And every culture has a version. The Filipino one, because that's my, I was raised, you know, by a Filipino mom and an English father, well, is called tinola, chicken tinola, T-I-N-O-L-A. Okay. 
And it's a little bit like, it's like your usual chicken soup, but just amped up with ginger. Oh, really yum. Really, really yum. What's not to love about that? What's not to love. (laughs) So I've done a version of this in the cookbook. And then the second one would have to be something, a Filipino dish called adobo. What's that? Um, it's, It's usually chicken that's been cooked in kind of garlic, lemon juice or vinegar and lots of soy sauce until it's like got the sticky marinade. And it's one that most foreigners will know about Filipino cooking. It's a big favorite. And in the East by West, I've actually done it with vegetables. So um, sweet potato, aubergine and green beans. And it's, it's, I've had actually almost more feedback on that than any other recipe really? in this last week. Oh yeah. my goodness. That's yeah. so fun when that because happens. Because it's a great sauce that you can then use for everything and anything. Yeah. And um, when you get the sauce right, vegetables become a joy to eat. That the, Both of those sound absolutely delicious. Okay, so just you you had the idea, mm-hmm. you're sitting there with your sister. Mm-hmm. How did you, what was the first step? Like how did oh, you, so it didn't, did it didn't come from empire, sitting with, with Melissa okay. or anything. So, what, so basically I'm modeling. I'm really into this. To me, it's like, oh my God, everybody is feeling knackered, is either absolutely hungry or absolutely stuffed and lethargic. Yeah. And we're all saying we always need a holiday. You know, that's kind of very much London life. You know, yeah. we're, we, we, we're, we're in the rat race. And so I started to kind of bring food in sometimes on shoots when I didn't know what I was going to eat because I knew it had, I knew it made a difference to how yeah. I felt for my energy levels the rest of the day. It was also around this time that I discovered that the very fashionable coffees that had come in, you know, with the, the very cool Italian coffee makers, it didn't suit me. Okay. Maybe the odd one in the morning, but usually by... 4pm, I just felt all over the place. Yeah. And I noticed people around me did too. And then they would perk up with another coffee. Yeah, I know. So I started to kind of swap tips with people. And then I became kind of this go-to person. Next thing I know, I'm overhauling people's cupboards. I'm writing them recipe plans. I am showing them how to use their slow cooker to to the best advantage. And I happened to really change one guy who had turned 40. And he said, look, I used to be able to hit the gym and anything that I was feeling rubbish about kind of transformed. Now, not so. Yeah. What am I doing wrong? And I looked at his his diet and I was like, well, you're eating all over the place. You're eating mostly towards the evening. There's a lot of carbohydrates there, not a lot of fats or, or real fats. Yeah. And so I kind of showed him some very easy to re- recipes and he basically transformed. And a very famous person saw him at one wedding that summer, oh saw him my- another three months later and said, what happened to you? Oh my goodness. That's amazing. That's how it started. And then I, I was- I love things like that. I what know. Are the I woke up, I, used, I then started to cook for this, this celeb. I had to get up at five in the morning, Eek. cook for him, go to my modeling job, come back in the evening. My goodness. Finish everything off and prepare it for the next day. It was crazy. So then- uh, How so- long did you do that for? Oh God, this is about a month and Nick was running around in the sidelines, like doing all the shopping and things. And we, you know, I was doing a lot of bone broth and so Nick was making bone broth in this kitchen. And, and then after a while I thought, I can't do this, our model. So I was like, Mel, please come and help me. Come and let's go, let's do this together. That's so cool. That's yeah, how it happened. That's how it happened. So really there organically. Was no, there was no business name. There's no business plan. It was How did you come up with mouth. the name? <laughs> do you know what? Uh, people have asked that very seriously. Oh, no, have they? Well, very. It was very. It became a very funny thing. Mel and I were on tour, and people would say either, "You're twins, right?" No, and then the second one was, "So how did you guys meet?" Oh no! <laughs> and we thought, how can some people see 
mirror images and how can some people see total strangers with the same surname yeah that's so strange but that was very funny (laughs) that's so funny and okay let's talk about the second desert island dish of the day and that's the first dish that you learned to cook okay so I think this was probably um an egg dish somewhere between scrambled eggs and an omelette yes um the Filipino way of doing this would be with onions and tomatoes oh yum really nice and in my book um, East by West, I've actually added lots of kind of Indian spices and they call it an akuri Ooh. Uh, scramble, A-K-U-R-I. So um, I think that, I think I probably overcooked the eggs, I have to say, because yeah. that was the way back in yeah. the 80s. <laughs> yeah. Um, everyone's got to start somewhere. Everyone's got to start somewhere. Yeah. But that was, I was probably nine. Oh, well, that's yeah. pretty impressive. I think my mum had um, a project at work. So for, I don't know if it was m- m- months or more, she would go to work on a Saturday and dad would feed us pork pies. Oh. <laughs> and after about three weeks of that, I decided to go in the kitchen. And my mum said everything had been used. I was making fried rice with wine. Oh. <laughs> and I don't really remember cooking shows being on then. So my mum was kind of thinking, where did I get that yeah. from? Yeah. Um, That's think, so interesting. You were my... desperate not to turn into a pork pie. Exactly. <laughs> I think I got my knuckles on the cheese grater quite a few times, oh, my mum said. Oh, don't. That's, I know. There's nothing more painful. And Melissa did not like the food. Oh, no. No, she, was, she would have been three then. I was nine and I, I remember her bawling about something. And I remember my dad just carrying on reading his paper. Little, little <laughs> sisters. I can say that because I am a little sister. So together with your sister, you've written two cookbooks. You've opened a cafe in Selfridges. In Selfridges. And, and you've had your own series on Channel 4, which is just amazing. But let's talk about the cafe first. Mm-hmm. How does something like that come about? Because it's huge. Oh, I can remember when Mel and I got the phone call. It, it was supposed to be for a November and it ended up not opening till April the following year. Oh, so, really? So we, ne- we were very excited, but we, we almost didn't want to put all our eggs in one basket. Yeah. You know, because there were so many variables. It was, it was Selfridges were completely doing an entire floor area section. So there was loads of, this is where I get this one wrong, I's to dot and T's to cross. Yes, you were yes, right. Something like that. Yes, isn't it? on. Okay, great. <laughs> so we were, you know, submitting our designs and our ideas and then the menu and all this, but all the while thinking, you know, is this ever going to come off? Because it's probably the dream yeah. space. So you kind of hope that it will, but you don't want to hope exactly, about it. Exactly, exactly. And you couldn't talk about it to oh, people. Yeah, of so it's kind of this little secret that we had. Um, oh God, how did you keep that a secret? Oh, it was hard. I mean, luckily, we were also filming the TV show and writing the other cookbooks. We had oh, plenty yeah. on our plates. You were and so busy. 2015 and 2016 were pretty full on. Yeah, crazy. So impressive. <laughs> um, okay, let's talk about the third Desert Island dish. And that is the best dish you've ever eaten. Yeah, this one is a really difficult one. Really difficult because, I mean, I think for everybody, food is very nostalgic. So yeah. I'm trying to remember, think of some time. I mean, I remember being partying with my friends and coming in very late one night or very early in the morning. I don't yeah. know which one. <laughs> and my mom just doing egg and egg on toast. And it was the best thing I'd ever eaten in my life, yeah. you know, because you were so hungry for it. You was, you needed it. It was hot. It was fresh. It was made by your mom. Yeah. You know, such a nice answer. I know. And that kind of thing, you can't recreate it because no. I mean, it's just so simple. I mean, you could recreate yeah. it, but it will never taste as it did in that I moment. I still remember one of my friends, Hannah, saying, what did you do to this egg on toast? Yeah. <laughs> and mum was just like, it's an egg on toast. And she was, and she was, I don't like egg on toast. This is amazing, you know? But, oh, it, I mean, so many things. 
that's a really good answer. Yeah, I'm going to leave it yeah. there then. Yeah, I like it. I like a lot of foods, but yeah, something nostalgic like that. Yeah, that's lovely. Okay, so we've got to talk about your TV show because, I mean, we've already said that the cafe was a dream come true, but getting your own TV show, oh, as, I yeah. mean... That one we didn't have to hang tight too long on. It literally came through and was like, do you want to do it? We have to start filming in two weeks. Oh like, my goodness, um, really? Okay. And so yeah. they they approached you. Yeah, so we had we hadn't even been to Australia and Foxtel were like, We really want to do a TV show with you. Oh my god, that's so cool. So we joined up with When you got the email, did you kind of think maybe it was a spoof or you're just like, maybe, this is happening? <laughs> maybe because it was, you know, it's it's a tricky time, you know, for, for cooking. It was more cooking competitions were very on vogue. Yeah. Obviously, people's ideas of healthy eating was like more deprivation food, you know. Yeah. So would a cooking show that was about healthy eating even translate yeah People they're gonna think it's just salads and low fat and you know not very exciting but actually it makes so much sense that australia would be the first yes. to suggest that because yes. they are just so far ahead of us yes. aren't they? And, in, and in fact there was a bit of a link when mel nick and i were in australia seven or eight years ago you know we were, i remember us saying gosh i wish that we could just have a really nice plate of food that wasn't too expensive and that you could access easily because back in you know 10, 15 years ago, it was either fine dining, which is yeah. very expensive, or a greasy spoon. There yeah. wasn't a lot in between. Yeah, no, it's so true. It's mm. changed so much. So much. I mean, London is now just a very cool place to be. Yeah, it really is. Definitely still got a little while to go, but we're catching up yeah. with Australia. Yeah, definitely. I think yeah. so. Okay, my favourite question of the mm-hmm. day. What is your favourite sandwich? So this one was a no-brainer. <laughs> yeah. This one is a New York deli pastrami. Ooh, Great answer. Something about the mustard. It's something about the pickle. Yeah. It's something about the butter on the bread. It's something about the, the nuttiness of the bread. It's something about the exoticness of having called New York. Yes. Yeah, that's so um, true. <laughs> but having said that, my other half, Nick, makes awesome leftover Christmas dinner sandwiches. Well, that is a very important talent to it have. Is. You're marrying the right man. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the best place that you've had a New York pastrami sandwich? M&S. Oh yeah. Oh right. Okay. But that's a good recommendation. I, I was worried you were going to sort of say like a tiny little cafe no, in New York. I, I don't yes. know. I don't even know that. I'm sorry, m is actually even that good, but it's more that I think that was probably just an exotic thing when I was growing up. Yeah. You know? So I, have I actually had a New York deli sandwich in New York? I don't know that I have, but I think just discovering a pickle in a sandwich yeah. that wasn't Branston's necessarily, yes. even though I love that too. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, discovering a pickle in a sandwich. Oh, I have to say exciting. one more I'll throw in there is that um, there's a little kind of spring rolls that Filipinos eat called lumpia. Yeah. And they're really mini and they're delicious. And probably not a lot of my family make them anymore because you have to get the deep fat fryer out. It's all a bit of a faff. Yeah. Rolling them is very time consuming and no one's got time for that stuff. Yeah. Anymore. My mum used to put leftover ones in a sandwich and send me to school. Oh my God. And they um. became so popular. I would swap them for all kinds oh. of things. So when I was 15. Yeah. Wait, so kind of like a spring roll, but in a sandwich. But in a sandwich. So basically she just laid them out yes. into, into a sandwich. And yeah. I mean, I wanted to talk about your mum anyway, because she had a bit of a starring role on the TV show. She She's the best. She is She's so, so great. Did she love being on the show? Um, She'll tell you was okay <laughs> she was very it was very funny she she um sorry mom I'm gonna have to tell this story when we got her in for filming we were already very behind that day yeah and mum came onto set with a new voice oh <laughs> a completely new persona oh my goodness what was it Who it was, was she kind of Mrs Bouquet <laughs> and the best was that we were making a Filipino dish 
And um, this was a this was a Sinigang dish. Yeah. It came to the tasting and the trying. And mum said, so it was, you know, it's it basically the, the hero shot. You're yeah. kind of eating it. Mm, isn't this nice? And wasn't that easy? And <laughs> mum says, this is nice or oh something. My God. What, what do you on think? The on the camera. <laughs> like, mom, so it's nice so we could wrap. Oh, she said, but my... it needs more flavor. And we're oh, like, it doesn't matter, mom, not because they're not going to see. Yeah. And they're going to have the proper recipe. And mom, it's your recipe. That is hilarious. I just yeah. love the idea of her having I a different know. voice. I know. It was very <laughs> I feel funny. like that might be the kind of thing I would do as well. You just I think we all it. do. I think we just... all do. I think we try we try to be, you know, as much as you want to be yourself, you you kind of take on a role. And it's yeah. the only way to get through these things, unless you're used to a camera following you yeah. everywhere. I mean, that's what Beyonce does. Is it? Oh, yeah. yeah Sasha, Sasha Fierce. Fierce. Yeah. <laughs> We'd have to find a name Maybe for that's mom. what your mum was doing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, Mrs. Bouquet. I Mrs. Bouquet. Yeah. yeah. Hyacinth. Um, okay. Let's talk about the fifth Desert Island dish of the day. And that is the dish you eat the most often. Mm. So I would say probably dal. Great. It's easy. It's cheap. What's your secret to a great dal? Oh. Are you using green lentils, red lentils? Red lentils used to be my go-to. Yeah. Because obviously they cook in 20 to 30 minutes. Yeah. And you can get them in most supermarkets. But since I've discovered split mung beans, which is, which is basically what mung dal really is. Uh, dal is like a split pea. That's what it actually means. Okay. But I've been making it out of the whole mung beans because that's what you could get in the supermarket. Yeah. But if you go to kind of local shops or Asian shops, you could find these little split peas, just as cheap as the red lentils, cook just as quickly. And they give you, they're actually a little bit better for you. Ooh, okay. Very slightly. Yeah. But they are super nutritious, high in protein. They give you that typical yellow dal. Although you can also use um, a dal called chana dal and tour dal, also yellow, but a little bit bigger, a little yeah. more like yellow split peas. So in that cupboard over there, Margie is yeah. about twenty types of lentils. Re- <laughs> yeah, so Do you have ones, a problem, Jasmine. <laughs> I have a lentil problem. Um, You're in a safe place. They're, they're they're just easy. I mean, unlike beans, which take a long time to cook. Yeah, you know, and you have to make you sure you soak, soak them, them and yeah. that kind of thing. So a split lentil, you soaking always helps because it it, it makes the cooking time faster. Yeah, but you don't have to soak them for digestion. It's a really good tip. Yeah, and then just adding spices, and you can change it up. You know any which way. And actually they don't have a very strong flavor, so they take flavor well. But if you want to experiment with your dal, try toasting your lentils before you cook. Them. Ooh, yeah. I like that. What, oh, dry, dry toasting. Dry toasting. A little bit of browning on them. Just yeah. like I guess you would when you sear meat. Yeah. Just gives yeah. you this lovely different flavor. That makes sense. I've done that with buckwheat before, but I like yes. the idea of doing That's that called with... kasha. Yeah. Oh, yes. Right. So, they, well, they call it roasted buckwheat. Okay, yeah. But if you look at a lot of cultures <laughs> that use a lot of lentils and things, they, they, I mean, in India especially, and something I've adopted in the cookbook, they use lentils to make their sweets oh do they yep oh my goodness i can't wait to experiment with that that's awesome so yes let's talk about the new book it's a cookbook with a difference because all the recipes adhere to the principles of ayurveda you did it right yay yay (laughs) yes Um, but let's start with the obvious question what is ayurveda so ayurveda is it means aya means life and veda means knowledge So this is a 5,000 old philosophy that encompasses basically your whole well-being. So it always sees you as a whole within a greater environment. So it recognizes you as an individual with individual choices and needs. So just like three people might be in a room and one might have a jumper on and two might have a t-shirt on. Yeah. You know, we feel, we experience everything completely different. 
Oh, I see what you're saying. I was like, um, what, what? Where what is she going with this? Yeah. <laughs> As in some of them are cold and some aren't. Yeah, exactly. Or in um, a long week, Jasmine. I know. Tell me about it. <laughs> or some people want a cup of tea and someone wants a nice cold drink, you know, yeah. we, we have different needs. And so being able to tune into your needs and then balance it with every choice and in lifestyle or food, you can help keep yourself on an even keel. And as unexciting as that might be, that's where the bliss factor is. Yeah. I mean, no, that doesn't sound unexciting to me. That sounds You know, we, we talk appealing. about being really happy and high, but happy and high means you can also fall, yeah. you know, but actually what, you know, if you look at any kind of meditation practice and things like that, it's about being chilled. It's about, it's about basically making decisions and reacting from a really grounded place. Yeah. You know, we know what it's like when somebody who's been irritating us about something completely different suddenly drops a pea on your plate or yeah. something and you absolutely lose the plot because it's just the icing on the cake. Yeah. And that's the kind of place we don't want to be in. You know, we want to be able to make a decision on things, you know, maybe you need to sleep on it, but you want to be able to know what you're eating. You don't want to be reactive. You want yeah. to be, you want to be, I don't want to say in control because that just doesn't sound right, but you, you want to go with your flow. Yeah. What's right for you. What's right for you. So this feels great because it's not a million miles away from what you've been doing or like it's sort of just building yes. on oh, it's totally. all of the same principles yes. that you've been talking about. So Ayurveda has been in my life for 10 to 12 years. Great. Uh, if not longer. I mean, I discovered it in 2000, but it was like way over my head back then. Yeah. And, and then so... you did you, you underwent, I've got it written down, an authentic... Panchakarma. Yeah, I mean, that's how I was going to pronounce it. That yeah. was, wasn't it? A PK. You can call it PK. Okay, yeah, PK. So Panchakarma is basically, it's, you know, it's the original retreat. It's where you, um, and, and I have to say Ayurveda, by the way, is the mother of natural medicine. Okay. So a lot of the things that we do today, which have become quite mainstream, like acupuncture, acupressure, yeah. massage therapy, sound therapy, meditation, mindfulness, these all come from that because we only had nature as our medicine before, you know, food was medicine, yeah. herbs and spices are nature's medicine cupboard. You know, that's what we did. We, we didn't have local, yeah. um, paracetamol. yeah, we don't have paracetamol. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So I, I say authentic because a lot of people might've come across Panchakarma as, or Ayurvedic spas, oh, which yes. are quite popular. So yeah, they are they're quite sparry, you know, because actually that touch, that massage, that deep caring from by by another by a skilled individual. Yeah, you know that pampering, of course, is pampering for the mind, body, and soul, yeah. isn't it? I mean, that so sounds nice. Sounds lovely. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds lovely, and so that's where that kind of came from. But to really have an authentic one is when you're working with what they call a vaidya, is a um, an Ayurvedic doctor. So this is someone. This is this is a, this is how they've been doing healthcare for five thousand years in India. That's amazing. And Sri Lanka. So what do they do with you? They can assess in the same way that a Western doctor would find out some, you know, hit back history and yeah. look at symptoms. You know, they might look at your tongue, your skin, your personality type, what you're leaning towards in food, any reactions you're having. But they'll also take your pulse, which is super interesting. Yeah, that's, that's a so, whole nother podcast. I'll tell you so about that cool. one. Yes, they can tell you a lot from a pulse. That's amazing. Because if you think about it, the body's constantly communicating. And so yeah. if you're tuned into it, you can pick up on that. Oh, yeah. That's and the then they will just prescribe you your, your day, day to day. So they'll have massages, which have got what they'd call medicated oils. So oils cooked with certain herbs that have certain effects on your body, whether it's calming or detoxing or lightening or revitalizing. So all kinds of kind of therapies like that. And during this time, you'll eat very, what they call sattvic food, which is kind of the ultimate Ayurvedic food. It's food that's just super harmonizing for you. And they also help you to realize 
what your tendencies are so that you can watch out for triggers in the future. Okay. So for example, my type is very good with very heavy foods. You okay. know, I'm quite light and I talk a lot, as you can see, <laughs> I speak very fast. My hands are moving while I'm, while I'm talking. So I need very grounding foods. Okay. Lucky you. Yeah. <laughs> and then on the other side, we've got really grounded, laid back, chilled out individuals and they need more stimulating foods. So That's for them, interesting. The coffee is kind of okay for me. Whoa, no way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, or chili is great for them. For me, not brilliant. And then there's another body type as well. That's called, uh, uh, that's more of a hot type A type, you know, very gets things done type. And she's yeah. not great for them because they're already hot. And so can they kind of figure out what kind of person you are? They can. And then, yes. That's so cool. And it's so how long amazing. does the whole thing last? So you can do it for, you can do a variance of it over a day or two, but okay. up to a month. And you did yours in India? I did mine in India. Yeah. Ah, I did it twice. So the first amazing. time I did it um, was over a year ago. And then I went out to um, India in the Himalayas early this year to do more understanding for my book. And so in my cookbook, it's less about what you might have been born as yeah. and more about where you are today. Yes. Yeah, so those are different things. Exactly. Because I might be naturally a cold person, but if it's a hot day, I don't want to eat heating food yeah. if I'm already feeling hot. And you might have been born very laid back, but yeah. you're doing something really stressful. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. I think you might have explained it better than me. Oh, no, so definitely not. In the cookbook, it's got, are you feeling one of those three doshas? And then how to kind of tweak the recipe. Oh my God, I which love is great. the sound of that. Yeah. yeah. What a great idea. It becomes kind of this, and you just can jump in, uh, there's a little intro and you just start to get the language of Ayurveda and it makes so much sense. Yeah. And as my auntie Joan, who doesn't know anything about Ayurveda, yeah. she started reading, she said, I think I'll call this a common sense eating book. Oh. This just makes sense. <laughs> nice one, auntie Joan. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We're, let's move on to the sixth desert island dish of the day. And that is your go-to dinner party dish. Mm. As in I'm making it. Yeah. So if you're throwing a dinner party. So I like to be an unstressed chef when I'm hosting. Very wise. Very wise. I mean, I've got friends that can basically mix a cocktail with their toes while they're <laughs> making some kind of... Uh, Can you know. not do that? No, I haven't practiced <laughs> enough. I need to work on that one. So a big kind of pot or a stew, you know? So I've got this incredible lamb hot pots in there. Yum. I've also got a lamb biryani. So the lamb hot pot's got pink peppercorns. It's got this lovely sweetness and it's got butternut on top. So the the book, not to interrupt your Go dinner for party dish, but the book... Nothing's excluded from there. Like no. there's lots of meat. There's, you know, de- like you're obviously a big supporter of butter, which yes. I love. Um, yes. And even more so ghee. Do you know about yeah. ghee? Yeah. Yes. The clarified butter. So that's really like, that's an Ayurveda 101 recipe okay. uh, ingredient. I've got an incredible cheesecake, actually, that's Ooh. made with said lentil base. Oh, And great. it's gorgeous. So it's cardamom on the bottom to flavor it. And then I've added some saffron in the top. Oh, that sounds lovely. That'd really, be a great dinner really party nice. pudding. Yeah. Yeah. So um Probably we're... one pots because I think so that's my dog just trotting no. past. <laughs> um one pots are really nice because everything looks more rustic. Or if you pull something out of the oven or out of a slow cooker pot, everyone just immediately goes, Wow. Yeah. Whereas if you're plating up, that's a whole other art, isn't it? Yeah. And things tend to get cold. Whereas when you're yeah. sitting around, I think I think as we've seen, you know, the, 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 the fashion with food is it's all about diving in and experiencing as it comes out of the pot and onto your plate. Yeah. And I think people want that experience. Yeah. And I think the way that we're living now, it's nice to, when you're hosting a dinner party, have family style because yeah. people kind of aren't getting that as much. No. Like going home as often. Exactly. And so it kind of feels like yeah. a nice 
you're eating out and you're sitting there with your friends and each of you have a, has a different dish. Yeah. And you're not in a restaurant. Like, you know, I, when I first started cooking, I definitely plated everything up and like, but no, I, d- I don't do that anymore. <laughs> no, this way, I think it's got bigger wow factor and less, less for you to do. Yeah, definitely. Which is always a bonus. So we're about to tuck into some very delicious looking banana bread, but I wondered, and this might be a hard question, mm-hmm. but what is your favorite recipe from the book? Oh, keeping you on your toes. I might have to say, and just because it's also been a game changer for me, I have to say the golden milk. Oh, yeah. So I don't know if you it, know about that. Well, it's turmeric. It's turmeric. Yeah. Or turmeric. turmeric. I don't know. I don't know either. I, I, I get told off for saying almonds. Oh. So, <laughs> I, you know. So yeah, talk us through the golden milk. Okay. So the golden milk is really a remedy. So if you speak to people, you know, um, of Indian origin or who've lived there, they're like, oh yeah, I remember being given this when you're feeling under the weather. Because oh, really? it's almost like this amazing tonic. You know, we know that milk, you know, good milk, I'm talking about milk from a cow that's lived a natural life, you know, was a remedy. I mean, in the UK, in Victorian times, if you were under the weather, you'd be spent, sent to Bath Spa yes, to get some sunshine, lie in the kind of thermal waters, yeah. or the, you know, with all the mineral, mineral rich waters and drink proper milk. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know the, the milk part. Yes. That's interesting. So in Ayurveda, they always simmer the milk with water because it lightens it. it. They talk about it changes the property. So okay. in the same way as when you boil an egg, it's changed its property. Yeah. So the milk becomes lighter, easy to digest. So a lot of people that tend to have problems with milk straight out of the fridge are really good on, on this milk. Okay. Also, you're adding these lovely spices like turmeric, yeah. black pepper, cinnamon, cardamom. Ooh, yum. Else might be in there. Fennel, the, the ginger. Ba- oh, yum. For yeah. that kind of thing, do you have to use fresh turmeric turmeric or do you no. like it's okay to actually just... not no okay. I don't think you do one you'll have very stained hands okay yeah that's true <laughs> I don't mind that um number two actually the way that they've mostly used it is in its powdered form oh, great because in, okay. in drying and powdering it you you change its properties again to yeah something that's more better for you okay it's quite harsh actually as a raw thing yeah. and you're cooking it anyway yeah so so no I think a good quality dry turmeric is the way to go great unless you're doing something really fancy dried or fresh ginger is yeah. fine um, cardamom pods. I'd go pods. Yeah. Because it's such a lovely spice, but ground, it tends to lose its flavor and actually you yeah. can't really find it very much. As yeah, well. no, it's true. You'd have to sort of so grind my, it yourself. Well, my quick tip is just to bite it and throw it in. Oh, great. <laughs> Obviously I wouldn't tip, yeah. serve that to you. <laughs> but if you're serving me, maybe you could chop it. <laughs> yes. For you, I just bang it in the pestle and mortar, throw it in, and then you can sip it out afterwards yeah, or you can jasmine. squish it out. Yeah. <laughs> I won't use my teeth for yours. Um, but you know, for, for myself and Nick and even my mom, we, I would do that. And then basically you just simmer those together in a pan. And the beauty is, so you've got these four or five or six spices in there and I can basically twiddle them, if you like, yeah. to how I'm feeling. Yeah. It's like the ultimate recipe to begin with, with Ayurveda. So for example, my friend who's a meditation teacher and very much into Ayurveda, he said he was starting to feel cold. So I really amped up the black pepper and the ginger, which helps to create heat in the body and dry out his lungs. So that's something you can that's do. That's so cool. Yeah. But if you're feeling hot, you don't want more heat. So actually going more cardamom and saffron, which is not as heating, it's actually quite cooling. Yeah. That's the way to go. That's so cool. And so it's the kind of thing that would also change throughout the year. Like you totally. can just adjust it. As you so. can see, we're going into the cooler weather. And yeah. Things. And so what's really nice is that, you know, Ayurveda encourages you to use nature's medicine cabinet of herbs and spices in your everyday cooking. Yeah. And then you can really concentrate on them if you need a remedy for something. Yeah, that's so fun. Yeah, so it's kind of really, that's proper healthcare, you know, looking after yourself on a daily basis. Yeah. 
like and constantly checking in on how mm. you're feeling. And it might sound like, oh my God, that's another thing on my to-do list, but it's not. It's more, it's, it becomes a knowledge that's as easy as I need some, I need to, go, I need to go and get some fresh air. Yeah. I need to put a jumper on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Jasmine, we're on to the last desert island dish of the day. And that is the last dish you would eat before being cast off to the desert island. And you are allowed more than one course. Okay. I'm going to take all three then. Okay. Or four. Is there... I mean, there's no limit. A mousse-bouche? Yeah, of course. Um, what else do they have? They have the pre-pudding things now, yeah, don't I mean, they? Yeah, you can. You have the whole caboodle. Wine list? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay. You looked at me so seriously then. I know. Yes, well, you can have wine list. Yeah. Well, I've, I've given this some thought and I thought that, you know, fish and coconuts may well be in abundance. Yeah. As might seafood, because a seafood platter actually nearly made it into the best dish I've ever eaten because the first time I had a seafood platter in Paris, again, it was just, it was the memory of the moment of sitting in a cafe in Paris with this five-tiered thing. Oh my goodness, yeah. Um, But yeah, you'll be able to make your own five-tiered Exactly. (laughs) With coconut shells. Yeah. I'd have to get my mum to cook for me, I think. Yes, that's of course, that's perfect. Because even if I make her recipes, it's just not the same, is it? Never the same. It's not no, going like, to be mummy's cooking is not mummy's yeah. cooking if you're making it. No. So what's she going to make you? Uh, a Filipino meze platter. Good. Even though those don't there. quite exist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a Filipino party feast. Yeah. It's my christening, and my wedding. eat buffet. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> my mom's going to send me off. She's going to send me off in a big way. And is she going to make you a special pudding? Yes. I'd have to probably have Filipino puddings because now I'm older and all the people that know how to make those puddings are getting a little bit older. Eee. I know. So none of the younger generations want to take on that kind no. of thing. I would make... What is a Filipino pudding? Gosh, my favorite one is 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 like actually a take on a Chinese kind of bun, and it's got red bean paste inside, Ooh. and it's sweetened uh, with this, and it's got this kind of flaky pastry top. And I've actually taken the paste on the inside and turned it into a recipe in my book. Oh, that's cool! Yeah, so what have you done with it? It's you kind of cook red beans down, yeah, or, or um, adzuki beans, yeah. You cook them down, you sweeten them with some jaggery, you put some ghee in there, and then you set it in the fridge and it becomes this kind of fudge. Ooh. It's really nice. That sounds cool. And what other things, what other Filipino dishes? Something called cassava cake. So this is cassava, which is like a root vegetable. Yeah. But starchy. Yeah. It's really big. And you would grate that up and cook that with milk and the local sugar, like coconut sugar, yeah. or with coconut milk Ooh. until it becomes this kind of like, I guess you'd call it like a blamongi fudgy. You'd see your teeth in it when you bit into it. Oh, okay, yeah. And then you'd you'd set it into a dish and and serve it kind of chilled in a banana leaf. That's they'd set it in banana leaves traditionally, but it would go into a glass dish, and that's a very festive thing that you share. And I had it actually very recently. It was yummy. Yeah, that sounds really yummy. Right. Well, with that, we're going to send you off to the desert island. You are allowed to take one luxury item. What would you like to take with you? I don't know. If this is actually a this is a necessary. I'd have to take a Swiss Army knife. Oh. That's a very practical, sensible answer. I reckon a pillow. Oh, okay. <laughs> you got, the two, <laughs> got the two extremes there. And if it's luxury, but no, let's make funnily, it silk and cashmere. Funnily, yeah, funnily enough, pillow has been a very popular answer. Has it? It yeah. must be. I'm just, yeah. I mean, I don't know what this island is, but if I'm lying on sticks and stuff, then yeah. go into Sleep. my ears. Yeah. <laughs> you can have a silk pillow. That's yeah, okay. Yeah, have a silk pillow and a Swiss Army knife. Okay. Yeah. We'll allow you to because I'm very kind. <laughs> um, yeah. So with that, thank you so much, Jasmine. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. I feel like I learned so much in that chat and I hope you guys did too. Jasmine gave me a copy of her beautiful book and it looks stunning. Plus, 
she cooked me some of the banana bread from the book, which was really, really good. And I feel like I've eaten a lot of banana bread, so I know a good one when I meet it. We had it hot from the oven with lots of butter and toasted pecans. Yeah, it was pretty epic. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Go on, leave a little review. Um, Five star only, wink, wink. (laughs) And have a look at the new website and tell me what you think. Until next week, bye.